fungus, we eat the 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 fungus, all right guys first of all I have to apologize that I didn't uh, get out sooner today I actually uh, got up I slept in I got up in the middle of the night and then uh, I went back to sleep and I got up late. And then I was working on my math stuff. <sighs> okay. So in case you're the first time listening, listening for the first time, this is the Stream of Random Podcast. I'd like to welcome you on my walk. Welcome you on my walk. Hey, I didn't even take a coffee with me. And, um, I normally go out in the morning. But today, I didn't make it. Something has obsessed me. And it's this bitmap visualization of the um, multiples. The multiples over the modulo. And it's an incredibly fast uh, process to produce. And um, using bitmaps themselves, the raw memory, I'm able to create a video from that. And soon I'll be adding music and color. Now I've been studying what appear to be curves in the <clears throat> in the modulo. And I'm starting to think that they might not actually be curves, they might just be lines that make curve patterns, creating the illusion of curves. Uh, which is very a distinct possibility because they only appear when you're watching the video and then when you try and pause and go back, you don't see them no more. They could also be residuals in the brain but it's definitely creating the illusion of curves. And um, I started today on using OpenCV, the computer vision library, which allows you to do face detection and object detection and all that. And um, 
I'm going to I used just use the GIMP and I applied first a blur to one of the images and then I used the Sobel Edge Detect. Well first of all I took I took um, the video I produced it's in our Telegram channel. And um, if you can't find it, hit me up. And um, I split it into frames. And then I looked through all the different frames and I said, I straight lines, diagonal lines, or what appear to be curves. Are they right-leaning or left-leaning? And um, or are they little curlies or little roundish shapes? that are appearing. And there's all types of shapes in there and letters and everything. It's pretty amazing. So, what, uh, what I found, so I started separating those out as training data. So basically what we're doing here is we're using number theory to generate some basic data and then we're transforming it into bitmaps which are quickly and easily processed on the computer. I'm going to tie my shoe. And then, when we have the bitmaps, then we're applying pattern recognition to those, or filters. And uh, I was using the brain to recognize the filters, to recognize the patterns, by creating a video and you just stare at it. And I've been trying different resolutions. I also tried just adding numbers, like shifting within a modulo. So basically what we're doing is we're, we're increasing the modulo by one pixel and each frame it shifts. So some numbers, some frames are like modulo something x by x. Now what we haven't done is also just made wider and wider ones. longer and longer ones, so like they're all squares. And what we're doing here, it's just square modulos.
so basically basically when you have this modulo table of a certain size and you take the multiples of all the numbers in that table so if it's a hundred by hundred bitmap you just treat it as a multiplication table you just multiply all the numbers against each other and then you plot out how those numbers fall onto the table and then you just mark them as white um, if they hit a cell and if they fall off the end you just leave them off so that's also what creates that cutoff that jagged cutoff at the end but it's really interesting now I tried an experiment where I just picked one modulo and just iterated over it more and more and the whole thing would just shift to the side the whole image would shift down so we're going to have to work on this a little bit more but what's happening now is I'm taking this mathematical object that's very simple and I'm weighing it down and making it more and more complicated and heavier and heavier and that's like this process of engaging the brain you take something very simple and it gets more and more embellished and you attack it with more and more processes and this becomes also harder and harder to to uh, predict so you get into this time suck so I'm going to go back to I'm going to go back to um, what I started with displaying these numbers in a displaying the numbers in a uh, Jupyter notebook and just try and maybe display like 10, 10 of them and just scan them visually or write some simple checks determine if they're if there's a uh, To determine if there's a, uh, a line so we're gonna have to think about this some more
Yeah, now this is pretty dead town, huh? So I've been going back and forth with Mr. Uh, writer student from Indiana who wants to make movies. And I just had a couple of messages for him. I listened through his, his podcast from yesterday. And um, my comment well, to him was one, have you, well, he hasn't always been representing everything exactly or listening. So let's just start with how did I find his podcast? So I have been on a process of looking at the podcasting 2.0 index. And um, it's a drawn out process and I wanted to create a tool for searching for daily podcasts. And in this process, I want to classify them and random podcasts that are similar to my own, I'm looking to connect with as well. And there's not too many of them. So I've been writing to them. And that's why I reached out to the guy. Now he said he's studying whether, why things go viral and what things don't go viral. And that's like trying to second guess the algo. So, basically, the algorithm is a biased system that tries to make the most money for Google. And whatever it can do to maximize the profit, it will. including censoring people and uh, promoting advertising of pharmaceuticals. And it tries to learn off what people are doing, but it's constantly being updated and it's very hard to predict it. So, also when you say you have this many listeners, I mean, how exactly are you tracking that? Because it's very hard to track. And I have far fewer listeners than you. But, um, and this is why I do my walks. Because the podcast is a byproduct of me walking. So it's not my primary endeavor. It's a basically a side effect of what I do. And I also find I don't yawn or fall asleep while I'm walking. So 
What else is there? Um, well, you, you should try some uh, mindfulness meditation and uh, try and catch yourself going into mental loops because you do kind of have a circular logic and you keep on looping back over the same old things. And I won't suggest that you go back and listen to your own podcast because I know how horrible that is to actually listen to your own stuff. Um, we only make prisoners do it for my podcast. Across the road here. Try not to get run over. Okay, now we're clear for the next hour of major roads. Yeah, so I lived in Kansas uh, for three years with my wife, and my son was born there. And uh, I know Indiana a little bit. We drove through there. <sighs> Doesn't seem to be much different than Kansas. Basically, flyover country. And there's a vast amount of desolate America out there. And I saw a lot of it. I saw so many empty stores and empty strip malls and abandoned buildings and, you know, it reminds me of East Germany when I was in Germany. It reminds me of the desolation, the abandoned buildings and this is pretty amazing so um, all I can say is that there's a certain hierarchy or class system or I don't even want to know what to call it. I mean, I talk about it on this show as being empire building. And you're basically saying, oh, I want to be part of that system desperately. And you're looking at your stats and saying, oh, I may put all this work into this video and no one's watching it. I don't understand why. Well, the first thing that I would say here is, um, do you have a website that portrays your videos and maybe gives an overview of them? You haven't mentioned the names of them. Like, why don't you tell us which one 
what the names of these are and like give a review of your different videos and tell us which one is good for what reason. And also I suggested, why don't you tell us the story of your movie on the podcast? You said the guy wakes up in the woods or something. I mean, tell us the story, just campfire story it. And, uh, I think I'm following the Agile principle, evolutionary delivery, where, I mean, listen to Umberto Echo's advice for young people, he said, it's 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. And don't try and be an artist and think that you're done when when you're young. First you have to be a soldier, then you have to be a corporal, then you have to be whatever, and rise up in the ranks. And take your time. And don't think, be jealous like, oh well, this person got this prize and I didn't get it. Think. How grateful I am to be alive and young and have so much time to do something amazing and let me hone my skills. <sighs> let me hone my skills. I have a chance to practice them and sure, make lots of movies. But don't give up at it. Just keep on going. I really like Seth Godin. He writes his blog every day. I mean, make a video every day. And just sustain yourself. Like, what's the minimum amount of people that you need to sustain yourself? And you have to work at the supermarket to do that? Why not? Listen to Arrow. I covered him on my podcast as part of going through all these different episodes. Arrow, Arrow Collins, he produces more episodes than anyone else. So that's my advice. And then on the topic of, um, you're like, oh, well, maybe I have to confront Maybe I have to fight. Like you have an option. Well, maybe you have to fight with yourself. Maybe you have to confront your fear. You know? In terms of a, a theory of uh, domination and power, the dialectic that we've covered here, um, there's two sides to a fight, and there's two sides to this whole system of 
um, media and trendiness. It's like there's one person who's being picked out and then there's millions of people who are trying to be like that person. It's like, think for yourself. Be yourself. And if that, if you don't like who that is, beat yourself up. Kick your inner weakness up, beat it up. And that's what uh, Duncan Trussell was talking about, like, that horrible, grunting, sweaty monster of a human that we are, to confront that. That's why I go for my walks, that's why I walk through the, through the woods at night, to confront my own fears. And, uh... Well, we're going to walk right now through the dark woods, go through this bridge, over the bridge, through the woods, to the College of New Jersey we go. Anyway, so I think that's enough for Mr. Uh, with Nothing to Say podcast. And I'll continue to listen to his podcast because, well, first of all, I have my own theories about everything. The first theory is, well, if we have a discussion going on, a call and response, then we're going to keep it going, as long as it's interesting. And second of all, I think everyone should have a podcast and produce daily stuff and shout out to each other. And if everyone did that, imagine the network of people. We could, we could imagine a mathematic system where, like, you wouldn't be able to listen to everybody. Right? listen to everybody (laughs) but if you could listen to 10 people if everyone listened to 10 people And those 10 people you listen to, listen to another 10 people. And those people that you listen to... (laughs) I was just thinking about this uh, Umberto Eco, Foucault's Pendulum. And they're talking about people who write books, about people who write books, about people who write books, about people who write books. So it's like, 
people who make podcasts talking about people who make podcasts talking about people who make podcasts talking about people who make podcasts right a number that describes a number that describes a number that describes a number that describes a number how about that that then describes itself so you could have a loop Well, first of all, this all gets back to the girdle theory and the very simple and super scary idea that we might be caught in an infinite loop and that you can't even detect it. of the infinite rising music is like the illusion of the curves through straight lines. But we also know that a circle can be approximated by an infinite number of straight lines. So if we take that area of the modulo, I gotta open up my jacket here. If we take that area, and we can understand mathematically why these curves are happening, then maybe we could find an area that has more curves. Because I think I saw the Fibonacci spiral in there and maybe we're just approximating we're creating the illusion we're approximating this somehow and as I talked about before in, given infinite possibilities you'll find everything so eventually in this infinite number sequence that I've produced with the modulo and the bitmaps, you'll find one section, one coordinate, one frame that looks like Jesus, and one frame that will look like Muhammad. And then that will be the forbidden frame and the forbidden number, which is why math is forbidden. And you'll find every single word and every single symbol inside of this mathematical sequence if you keep on scanning. The question is, how do you get there? What path would you take? And to repeat myself, Euler has given us some of those keys, which gets down to the the Foucault pendulum, the conspiracy theories. So we're going to just say he was supposed to be a preacher, 
that he got into math and philosophy. He had a perfect visual memory so he could remember every single table he needed to. And that also helped him. He could visualize any item, any formula, just to have it appear in his head, which is a great help. Now I'm starting to visualize these tables myself. And we can start with simple ones that are easy to visualize, like a two times two table. And then the three times three table is just one more. And we know we can generate the two times two. And I can show you right now on this podcast in your head how to do it. Just imagine a square. And if you don't imagine a square, just make, take a piece of paper and fold the one corner over to create a square and then tear off the remainder. And then fold the other paper, fold the other side over to create a quadrant. And that's your two times two table right there. Four quarters, slice of pizza with two slices, two times two. And uh, the modulo table for that two times two is simple. It's one times two is two, two times two is four. So that means two and four are highlighted and one and three are not highlighted because they're not factors of anything in there. So two of the cells are are lit and the other two are dark. And the modulo will tell you that the uh, they're going to be in the right-hand column. The one and three will be the odds column, and the two and four will be on the evens column. So we could also just imagine a vertical line going down on the right side. And that's a full description of that two times two table. You, anyone can do it. Anyone can imagine it. And now we can go to the three times three. Three times three is nine. Three rows and three columns. Now, did I mention that one times one is also there? So in the two times two table, actually one, two, and four are highlighted. And the one times something will create that straight line that goes diagonally across the entire table. So one, one times everything, and everything times one will highlight those rows. But I think in our 
algorithm. I think we skipped the ones. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the students are all back now. Party's going on. Doesn't sound like social distancing is in place. Dun, 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 dun. So, where the hell were we? Three by threes. Okay, so fine, let's just do it. One, two, three. Lit up. First call, first row. And then, two times two is four. Two times three is six. Three and six. Two and six. We got that, and uh, the two and the six will be the diagonal. So we're gonna have one, two, and six as the diagonal lit up, and then the one, two, and three across the top lit up. the second big road. Now we're set. And then finally the threes. So we did three times one. Three times two is six. We already did that. Three times three is nine. And everything else is just a mirror image. So really in my algorithm we could save ourselves the entire iteration over the second half. And the number f five will not be ever touched because it's not a multiple of any numbers.
to prime. So all the black spaces on this grid are potential primes. And all the white spaces are multiples. So does that mean that there's going to be a circle of primes somewhere? Or a curve around the primes? I mean... And we could keep on going on and on. But I will not torture you. Because you can go through this experiment in your head. And it's quite uh, soothing to go through these numbers and... You could imagine what it would look like. And by repeating this experiment over and over again, you could build up a own neural network. Until your head is full of completely useless information. But it's not completely useless. It's a good training. And I've been having a lot of fun with it. There's a lot of people on campus today. I'm going to try and stay away from them. Got this crazy song for my son. Son's game in my head. But I was getting some real withdrawal syndromes today for not doing all my going on my walk. My body has been trained to do it. And if I don't go on this walk, I start feeling really down. Because I need these drugs. And I guess you do too. I got a call from my dad today. He's like, Mike, I need my drugs. Where's your podcast? Something wrong? So... It's like, woe is me, I might have to listen to someone else. But luckily I've been indexing all these other random shows. So you can actually fill up your day with other people's podcasts as well. But they won't be quite like this one, let me tell you. Now, so you guys may be asking, why is it that I don't care about promoting this thing? Well, first of all, 
my theory is is that we're going to calculate something amazing. We're going to come up with something amazing, and then we're going to have it on record here. So it's just a question of time before, if I'm right about these numbers, if I can find a circle in the primes curve. And even if I can't, just this idea of, imp of using the brain as a neural network pattern matching of the numbers is also a good idea. And I think we're going to find some stuff. And I think what we're going to do next is I'm just going to have it recognize lines. I'm just going to remove all the lines and then see what's left. And see if we can come up with a pattern in those lines. So it's really a repeated application of neural networks and statisticals, looking for patterns and removing them. And that's kind of also what prime numbers are. So in terms of colors, I've been starting to study what we can use for coloring. And there's three neurons that we have. It's not red, green, it's not red, yellow, and blue. It's red, green, and blue. And yellow is made out of green and red. Which is crazy. And also green and red will look like yellow to the brain in terms of a signal. That's how the eye works. So if we have three different neural signals that could fire, then also the question would become, how far are they apart, right? What information could we encode with the colors? So, I still need to think about this some more, but uh, we're going to start practicing that and then we're going to also add in the, the, the sounds. Now the sounds and the colors are both wavelengths or f waves. Anyway, I haven't figured it out yet. I forgot to bring some chalk. Another thing, another challenge I have for all you podcasters who might be listening is try not looking at the computer screen when you're podcasting. Try and go from memory for a while. That's my challenge. To you. Well, to everyone. Try walking, talking for an hour with no notes. And, uh, 
see how that goes. steam vents here. Truly stinky. So today we started a massive 25 gallon kombucha. In a huge Home Depot bin. We still, the water filter can't even keep up. And we used a uh, stocking to A, um, put the tea in. So we're using a stocking as a tea bag and uh, to filter the vent so in the drain. Because all types of stuff gets clogged into there. So we put another, this was Ariana's idea, my wife's. I just feel bad for this kid who um, he started out this podcasting and then he's confronted with the most random person on the internet. He just shows up. It's kind of weird, isn't it? So my um, Cambodian spammer guy finally admits that he's a spammer. He's like, yes, I'm a spammer. I just want people to click on my link so I can get a provision if they buy Bitcoin. It's like, okay. It's like, I'm a spammer too. He didn't even ask me why I'm a spammer. I said, I'm a spammer too. Because I'm sending out the unwanted message. This is the message, the marginal message. See, I guess, uh, Mr. What I need to know, was it not, with nothing to say, he needs to really listen to this, the stream of marginal content and realize just how people are being marginalized and suppressed. And everyone wants to join the system. Everyone's like, oh, I want to pile on. I want to join up. I can't wait to become part of the establishment so I can suppress the others. Because I just want to be chosen by the emperor to serve in his court. And all of that, all of that is just the supremacy and the domination that you say that you're against. Right? See, that's kind of the hypocrisy. Hypocrisy porn, like I like to put it. It's the hypocrisy. 
We haven't heard from people who have knowledge of the situation in a long time. But um, this video that I'm working on, I mean this algorithm that I'm working on, and the video and then the whole description of it, it's going to go viral. I know it's going to. And it's going to show up on TikTok. And we're going to get views, and we're going to get listeners, and people are going to be interested. And I've been thinking about how to do all of this. And people are going to follow the algorithms, and the algorithms are going to tell them where to go. And I'm really starting to think, well... I need to have a brand safe landing page that's separate from this whole podcast. I mentioned that. And it's like, oh, well, people might get a bad impression of you and have a bad first impression. It's like, yes, they might. That's for sure. The weather is really nice. I mean, it's cold, colder. I have a jacket on and a hat and cloudy. But compared to the ice that I've been walking through, it's great. It's really great. And it's not raining. So, um, we talked about that topic, the two topics I had. And uh, that's basically it. I have a whole bunch of work stuff I could talk about. Well, the other day we talked about this Girdle numbering scheme. And I really think it kind of boils down to the entire idea of the prime number. The Girdle numbering is really the uh, fundamental theory of arithmetic, and every number can be produced by multiplying all the primes together uh, to different degrees, and they're mostly degree zero, being one. You have an infinite number of ones of zero of ones that you're multiplying against in the end. And you just try and visualize that. 
like your whole universe is just the one. Like you look up in the sky, you see the Milky Way, that's the one that you're multiplying against. It's like so humongous. You know, it's like out there. It's like a galaxy, a universe of ones that all compress down. And these are whole numbers. We still haven't even talked about the uh, the decimals and the divisions and the, and the factors and not the factors, the uh, fractionals. We haven't even gotten there yet. So, I hope tomorrow we can go see the flowers. The weather's nice. Drive up to Newark. Yeah, I never finished processing that whole biosemiotics. I think there's a whole bunch more to learn about. We haven't been going deep into New Books Network recently or doing any clip shows. focused and uh, today I looked at my server rack again and I realized I have to do something on that but that is on hold for now because first I need to work out my my math I'm gonna work out this algorithm I'm gonna bring it to some kind of well the definition will be actually a video that people can watch And then you can watch how it all happened. And uh, I realize that we're really breaking through to a whole new level of noise and detail that has never been attempted before. Like, we talked about performance art and all that. Like, we're documenting all the steps that's how this whole thing is coming together and how we got there. If you ever wanted to know, you could watch the progress. And I guess in that respect, I shouldn't be ashamed of what I've done or what I've said with a fear of being canceled and labeled as a horrible person. I heard the other day on the, no, uh, on the MoFax show with Adam Curry, he was like, wokeness has 
is coming to an end. This has a doesn't have a long shelf life. Doesn't have a long shelf life. So, that's okay. So, in any way, we did talk a lot of shit on this podcast say a lot of foolish stuff and we're having fun just talking shit and having fun and I hope we'll find some more people to talk to and maybe once I have this math thing nailed down I'll have uh, people will want to talk to me Because maybe we'll find something, this whole introspector method could be actually an idea. It's like involve the brain as part of the process and define it as such. And then approximate it through machine learning. And have a feedback loop and a training system. A loop. Define the consciousness as part of the system instead of excluding it. The feedback loop, the control loop. I really need to uh, put together a guide to what we've done so far and show how it all fits together. A roadmap. I would say that there's a certain degree of hypocrisy and bias that we don't want to see in ourselves. Arrogance, all these horrible things. Let's just make sure we're recording. Oh yeah, we're recording. Let's see who wrote to me. Nobody wrote to me. One hour, seven... 750 steps in one hour. That's not bad. We're up a thousand steps to the hour. I think we're going to head back.
Okay. Yeah, it's funny, um, South Zud Sur Sud. They're connected. North, North. I still need to work out my whole prime number theory now and the coding theory. But let's just say that we can start with bits. Compounds. We reduce everything down to some simple ideas. individual values true and false will be attached as bits the value true and false will be combined as the bit on and off in the column that uh, describes that feature. So we do feature engineering, and we create a bunch of features, and then we reduce them to compounds. So some uh, features where it says, oh, some constant is being set, that will actually go into its own column to be set to true. So that's a very complicated way of saying. If you have a field that says type, the type of the car, right? The type of the car is the Honda. So. We could just create a whole column saying Honda true false. So each of those values will be promoted to its own column. And we get rid of the uh, we get rid of the true false. We turn it from a multi-value classifier to a yes-no column was on bit and each column which is a power of two could also just very well be 
encoded onto a prime number. So instead of using bits, we'd use primes, and then we could multiply all the bits that are set, all the features would be prime numbers, and you just have one number that represents the compound of the object, so far as the theory. And fields and types and all of that get smushed together. I need to sit down and try that out again. Maybe on something small. Maybe I can do it right here. Since we have time, now is always the best time. So here's some of my ideas, some principles I have for work. Ideally, okay, let's talk about an ideal world. So ideally, we don't have manual action. Everything is a predetermined something, procedure. And it's self-service done by someone who is, let's say, technical expert for some project. So as a DevOps guy, we don't want to be pushing buttons for people. We want them to push the buttons and have a review system in place. So, what I see is a, is a process of domination happening at work, you see, where people are getting treated unfairly and dominated. And there's two sides to this. First of all, it's a pushing of risk onto others, right? Obfuscation, waffling, and misunderstandings. Uh, I would also say some kind of
yeah. There's people running around. So, basically what I'm thinking here... is that, um... There's a certain level of domination happening. And this happens through lack of transparency, lack of scheduling, lack of responsibility. Unreasonableness and all of that. So let's just call that the monkey. The monkeys. Or the... I don't know. It's pretty uh, weird. So how can we fight against that? Well, I'm thinking... First of all, each resource that I'm talking about here. Now, I was just dealing with some JSON data, some description of some systems. And there's multiple factors to these systems. There's like firewalls and security groups and load balancers and servers and ports and all of that. Applications. So what's an object? How many numbers do we need? And when can two numbers be multiplied together to create a new number? Right? So what's a... Uh, what are the factors? I'm going to go this way, actually. When does an object, just a factor of another object, or a part, a field, what are the identities? Like, how do we know when to stop? Well, we could start with things that we name, that we think about, and call them the enumerated. So we could just try and solve something from the aspect of, let's look at them one by one, what are the different applications?
I gotta get off this road, it's too loud. So that's kind of one of the things that we need to think about. So if I take each main, like let's say application or feature or function, that a different prime number, right? That's like a unique identity. So anything that's multiplied by this prime number will be part of that thing. We just start by listing them, right? It's like, oh, I've got, I don't know, accounting. And we've got inventory. We've got shipping. We've got the warehouse. We've got the production facility. Right? There's different parts, and that's like, well, is the production facility for what object? For what widget? Each widget that you're producing would be another prime number. And then you multiply you would multiply that um, widget times inventory. It's like that's the inventory for this widget. And if I have an inventory in every city, then I would give each city a prime number and multiply the city times the widget times the inventory. Now the date and times are already basically handled. So we're going to use this for identities not for scalars. A scalar is a field, so the date field would be its own identity. The date and time would be its own dimension, its own prime number as a field. And every object that would have a date time would be multiplied. If it has multiple date times, and we add in more factors. So you have a field name, like created time and destroyed time, those are two pairs. 
created and destroyed a few functions, and those get the wrong prime number, so the create time of an object would be multiplied create times create multiplied by time object type and stored in this inventory over here now we're still talking about the field called create time and if I want to look at all the fields I'll just remove the create time field and just say create be all the attributes that are associated with the creation. I remove the creation. It would be all the attributes of all the functions associated with that object. So we'll have lots of numbers. Lots of data that we can find. Lots of attributes floating around. I gotta get off this road here. Okay. Let's cross here. I know every single street over here now. Okay, I'm gonna go down one more. Yeah, this is like a uh, reality TV show. A reality TV show. Jawohl. So... Yeah, the one thing that this guy hasn't gotten yet, I guess he hasn't encountered the fungus theory yet. But, um, what if the emperor that we're fighting for is the gene, or maybe even the fungus? He's just commanding us to kill each other so we could feed him it. I mean, that's a pretty horrible idea, hasn't it? So, I think I'm starting to like this idea that we have a graph and we can find any part of it by just adding in these prime factors and just multiplying them as a kind of a query language. So we have this prime number and then we can group together all the attributes against it.
Well, because if you have the time field, which is just some random integer, any integer, you could multiply that integer by the time prime factor, and then you'll get the actual encoding of that time that's unique. That includes all the information about what type of time it is. And it'll be in some range of numbers way over there. Some huge range of numbers. Some huge range of numbers. Where Oh yeah, so more social distancing going on here, let me tell you. So, um... So it'll create some kind of humongous range of of uh, numbers to encode a time period, and then I guess we could include we could pull out the year and so forth to kind of bunch those numbers up because it's eventually you're going to just get into this huge number scheme. And the number is going to be truly monstrous. And it has nothing to do with being efficient in any way. It's just showing you that you can encode the types into primes. And every bit... I guess we'd pull out the year and just say, is this year set? And that's a bit, and then that's a column. So each column, well, it would be a pri- <laughs> described by a prime, and we would have a, a, a humongous number of columns to set. And the column numbers would be the prime numbers that describe those things. <clears throat> Neurons. And, uh, maybe space part farther apart. You have a way of addressing them. It's like some kind of system for addressing the billions of neurons in your brain could be used, that could be addressed with a prime number system. I mean, if you've truly got billions and billions of neurons, wouldn't you need some huge numbers to address them? And what could possibly do that addressing except a huge number? So I'm going to state right now that maybe I've been off on this whole introspection idea. Maybe I haven't been thinking big enough. I haven't been thinking about the dimensions of the 
numbers needed to talk about things in the brain, or even other people's brains. Reminds me of the Gulas theory, how that guy killed himself or died very young. This brilliant mathematician. Or was it a duel? And he had like published his work before he went to the duel and he died or something like that. Something crazy. Insane and random. So, I think what we're getting at now is that we're going to have a humongous number of columns. And these columns will be sparse. It'll be prime numbers or multiples of primes. I haven't figured exactly out how that's going to work. I was hoping to have only prime columns. And if two multiples are set, then that would just be flipping that bit and say, yes, it's on. So raising that prime to one instead of zero. I haven't even considered what it would mean to raise it to two. Two, two is a prime, and two to the x is a bit. Two to the n is n bits. So each of the twos would give us a whole bit to itself. So sure, I guess we could just do the prime encoding using bits. 2 to the n. Why would you even need a 3 to something? I guess we haven't run out of 2s yet in the computer system. Well, it's all starting to compress down. So I'll start with a bit mask and see how many bits of information we actually need to describe all these things. And these things being I'll start with primary column individual entities. Databases versus apps. And so
and this is interesting because this whole prime number factoring and bit system can give us also the permission system. The policies. So I guess we first need to design rows and columns. So in Elastic Beanstalk you have apps and you have environments. Apps times environments equals cluster. And each cluster then has all these different attributes associated with it. Okay, so let's talk about what I was doing for policies now. Let's see how this fits in. Um, so basically what I did is I checked in all of the policies into Git. And now what I need is a tool that will go in and look for all the changes to all the policies and since the last Git commit and pull those in. And, and then reconcile them. So, and then I need a way of determining what needs to be applied and apply that. So if someone commits a change and that change is not implemented yet, 
So in order to merge it, the merge policy would be refresh from the source data. And that's the new baseline. And then evaluate the pull request. See if there's no merge conflicts and if it will merge cleanly on top. And then to apply that, we would apply those changes to those objects, push them out, and then up to refresh the source system by pulling them straight back in. So instead of instead of actually changing the files in the main directory, we would create work packages or whatever that would be applied. With some reasoning. Okay, so if we look at this from a factor perspective, we're granting permissions to a principle, and a principle is, again, a prime number. So to grant a permission to a principle, you multiply the permissions factor, the operations factor, against that prime number to create a compound. So permissions are the sum of all, a policy is, this, is a compound number that's the sum of all the permissions applied or combined or multiplied against the principle. And then if that policy is required a resource it's like this person is allowed to access this database and the database is again a prime number the principle that person's a prime number 
or his his group. We need to look at that. How we're going to handle groups. So, um, we'll go. Oh, wait. We crossed this big road again. this road. Come on, boys. So, if we're going to try and model this person has permissions on this group, or this person's a member of this group, I think that group will be a prime number. And you could use them interchangeably, either the person or the group as a principal.
Yeah. So I think we're slowly coming to terms with this idea. And, um... Basically, this will just give us a huge list of numbers. And that will contain all types of information that can be decoded. But the question is, is that an efficient use of memory? To have all of those bytes being wasted for humongous prime numbers. Just so you can encode them into numbers. So, really the question will become what's an efficient if I've got 128 bits or a 64 bit machine right what are the prime numbers that I can use in these 64 bits for doing this encoding and how can I pack them in properly is it not really just 64 bits Right? So, what are the 64 most important bits of information that you could encode in a number? And then, one bit might reference another 64 bits. So we have bits that talk about big numbers, that talk about bits, that talk about big numbers. I think that's more of a pattern that we could use. Otherwise, we're going to just get into these humongous and the best bit strings are also sorted and documented and packed into structures get structs with all the bits bit masks all laid out for you nicely and documented back to the old C++ programming and we're almost home guys so this torture will stop soon Freak in the funk, kids. Freak in the funk.
I think for the music and color encoding, we're going to come up with our own. We're going to look at how the bits of colors are encoded. And we're going to see what palettes we can use for optimal contrast. Because, well, first of all, there's only so many prime numbers. And each prime number will get its own color. And instead of multiplying all the numbers times all the numbers, we can just take all the prime numbers and see if they'll fit. Like, is the prime number less than the modulo or the, the maximum size? Right? Otherwise, it won't fit one time. So, find all the prime numbers less than this uh, table size, the maximum table size. And then just multiply them through, starting with two. And make two red. You know? And make three, uh, what was it, blue? Right? And then make five uh, green. Right? And now seven is five plus two, or three plus four, which is two times two plus three. So we could, we could take the largest factors that don't have a, uh, a number. So five is green, and two is blue, so we mix green and blue at what ratio? Well, five, five to two, how's that? So we try and find the simplest way to express it in terms of addition of the prime numbers, and just add those numbers, those colors together in proportion to create a new number, a new color. And we could just start by creating that palette that way. I think that would be an interesting algorithm to start with. And the same thing for, for tones. It's like to take a tone, take two as the tone, and then three. Take this tone divided by two. Take this tone divided by three. Take this tone divided by five. So just start with some base tone, like 222 or something. 444, like A, and just divide it by the primes. And then... Everything inside that table, just multiply it. 2, 3, 2 times. Now, didn't we say we want to multiply by the primes as well or not? We just multiply by all the columns. So 2 to the nth. 2 multiplied by n. 
I guess we could make a video of the table filling. So each frame would be one number being added to it. That might be an interesting visualization. You could watch the table fill out. By doing all the multiples, one by one. Cell by cell. Or group them. And then include the colors and the sounds. Okay, so I think we have an algorithm here for doing more content. So a table will become a tuple of numbers, and we can just create a Postgres table with large bits or longs or whatever we can conveniently store in it. And that'll be the types and then the IDs don't have to be auto-generated. We can generate the IDs using these bits and then we could still generate a super long primes if we had to, if we wanted to. But we don't necessarily need them because we can have different relations between different tables. We don't have to put everything in the same set. We can have different sets. So I think that's what I need to do first, is just do some set, set analysis and define what's, what are the different sets, the different groups of things to glue together. So to get back to this alert system, once we've determined who the primary impacted people are, for a given security alert, then we can alert them somehow. So basically, if we have some problem that we need to do, and you assign that to a group, we can assign it to the group of people who use a system the most. 
it's not used, it can be retired. If it affects an individual, they can target them and their manager. So it looks like we could just create a Postgres database for all this. So, but I haven't, I've been working on building a relationship with this Cambodian guy. And, uh, I, we looked at the, um, the Cambodian uh, year system, which is like the Chinese year system, but they're lacking, as far as I can tell, the 10 elements, or maybe they do have them. And, um, they claim that Buddha is somehow related to Cambodia. There's that huge temple there. It has a different version of Buddhism than Thailand does. So, uh, yeah, something to learn. Almost home, kids. Well, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to say Ade, Adieu, Auf Wiedersehen, and good night. I hope you enjoyed this walk with me as much as I enjoyed it. I hope the audio quality was good enough. And the pauses weren't too long. But, you know, we could have a pause or we could just creatively generate white noise. We could be like, um, uh, what I really think is, um, um, or I could just say nothing while I'm thinking. I mean, what's the difference? And, uh, yeah. That's a wrap, kids. Two hours.